Trinity Central. We exist to make God central to our lives and our world. You are listening to a recording of one of our Sunday messages. For more information, please go to trinitycentral.org. I pray this morning as we turn to the Word of God, you'd keep me from being long-winded and boring. I pray, O living God, that you'd bless this people with a word in season um, from your throne, I pray. And come and glorify Jesus in our midst. Amen. Amen. I'd like you to turn this morning to Ephesians chapter 4 and chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 4. And verse 30, it says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Then chapter 5 and verse 15, it says, Look very carefully. That's the NIV translation. Look, not carefully, but look very carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time. Because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart, always giving thanks for everything to God the Father. In the name of the Lord Jesus, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Verse 15, it says, look very carefully then how you live. Not as unwise, but wise, making the most use of the time because the days are evil. There is no question in my mind that we are living in evil days. Very, very evil days. We're told in 1 John 5 that the whole world actually is in the grip of the enemy or has been in the grip of the enemy. He came to corrupt it. Jesus came to redeem. It was God who created it. The devil tried to corrupt it. Jesus has come to redeem and to save. Hallelujah. But the Bible very clearly tells us that we are living in evil days. The day before I left... To come to Vancouver, I looked at the news. We had this terrible situation of the earthquake in Turkey, which is incredibly tragic. I shan't go into that, but it then went on to say this in the BBC News in London. First of all, that a policeman who'd been in his office for 20 years had been jailed for over 30 years because he's abused his position to become a serial rapist. And he was one of the first of a whole string of people who were living like that. 
in the Metropolitan Police that they'd uncovered a whole syndicate of evil. The days are evil. It then went on to say that a beautiful school teacher, a headmistress, very attractive lady who'd done incredibly well and been given this incredible role in a position leading a school in London. And she was found shot dead in the playground with her daughter and with her husband. And it is reckoned that the husband killed the daughter and the mother and then himself. They're investigating it. They don't know that's the story, but that's how it's looking. The days are evil. It then went on to say of another man who had a handicapped daughter, and he allowed this daughter to live in such squalor. And this is on the news, that such squalor that they said you wouldn't allow an animal to live in such squalor. And this child died, and the police were, were heaving as they went into the room because they, they, they'd never seen such wickedness. It then went on to talk about the increase of crime in the UK. It talked about the increase of mass killings in America and how that's grown. He then went on to talk about the Russian invasion of Ukraine, which is now one year on. And you see countless misery around the world of schools demolished, homes demolished, people left homeless, hospitals bombed, nuclear plants bombed. And it doesn't take long before you ask the question, what on earth is wrong with humanity? What on earth is wrong with mankind? Any newspaper, any article, any news reading, any TV broadcast, and you have to say there is desperately something wrong with the human race. Desperately wrong. The Bible tells us, be very careful. Don't be careful, be very careful how you live because the days are evil. We have to ask the question, has God lost the plot? Is God in control? Has God got an answer? What is going on? If these days are evil, we could read in Timothy of in the latter days, there will be times of distress and despair like we've never seen before. You know the passages. It's very clear. And we're warned in the Bible. We're warned very clearly in the Bible of these things will happen. We're told that the days will be evil. And that we must be a people who are careful. What therefore is God's answer? Does he have an answer? Well, wonderfully, wonderfully, yes. We start with a warning but it then goes on with a command. Look very carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best opportunity. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand God's will and do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. The, present, the, the tense there is a present continuous imperative. It is don't be foolish, but here's a command, get filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Get full of the Holy Ghost. And this is God's answer in an evil day is men and women, it's his church who are filled with the life of Jesus. A people who are full of the Holy Spirit. Absolutely full. That is God's answer. And it should have such an impact on the world that people say, wow, what a difference. When I was at university some years ago in England, I went to America for a holiday just to travel around and do a working trip with a friend of mine. He actually now lives in Calgary and uh, his name, well, I shall mention his name, but <laughs> he's a good friend of mine. He lives in, in Calgary. He stayed out here. I went back to the UK. We traveled around and I got involved with a motorbike group. Their whole style was drugs, drink, violence, immorality. I don't need to go there. But it was a pretty bad lifestyle, and I was part of it. And I came away from there feeling pretty wretched, pretty dirty, pretty unclean. And we were hitchhiking on the road because we couldn't afford a car. We were hitchhiking around America. We had a Union Jack on the side of the case because we thought Americans would stop and pick us up, and they did. And this car pulled up in Dallas, Texas, put us in the car, and the guy drove, and he was one of the Jesus people. He started to talk to us about Jesus. And I thought to myself, that's all I need at this time is Jesus. <laughs> Knowing that I'd been with this other group the night before, oh dear, don't need Jesus. And my friends sort of nudged me and, come on, let's stop, let's, let's disappear, let's get in another car. But then it started to pour with rain absolutely bucket with rain and we were sitting in this car and the fellow who was driving he said why don't you come back to the place where we're staying to this commune where we're staying and have some dinner and uh, it was pouring with rain so we said oh okay I'll never forget at the time because when we arrived people came up and they started saying hallelujah praise the Lord brother and they they greet us and there were one or two pretty girls there and they came up and put their arms around us, praise the Lord. So we thought that was quite good. So we said, hallelujah. And, <clears throat> and we joined in and said, oh, praise the Lord. We were really taking the mickey, just saying, hallelujah, praise the Lord. And I think they probably saw through us. But the thing which had a huge, huge impact on me was this. They were having dinner we went into this commune, a group of Jesus people, there's about 70 people there, and they're all holding hands, and they were singing praise to God. Their faces were alive, their eyes were sparkling, their skin on their face shone, and it, it, it suddenly encountered, it impacted me, this encounter of meeting this group of people who were obviously filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. There was a love, a joy, a warmth, which I'd never, ever seen before. I'd come from this motorbike group, came straight into this encounter, and it had a profound effect on me. So much so that on the streets of Denver, Colorado, I cried out to God and I said, God, if you're there, come and meet me. Nothing happened at the time, but I just had a deep sense of peace. I got back to England. I went to a church. The church was closed down. I went to another church. That was closed down. 
I went to another church. That was closed down because all of them were having a combined meeting. I eventually got to this combined meeting. There were, there were, there were three vicars at the front, and there were half a dozen elderly ladies. One had a big hat on with a bunch of cherries on the top. And uh, I thought it was hilarious. And in those days, I used to wear cowboy boots with steel tips, and I had long hair, and I felt like Clint Eastwood as I opened these big doors and walked in. And everybody looked around. And uh, I sat right at the very back, and I could see these three vicars and these elderly ladies, and uh, I thought, this is the strangest place I've ever been to. And I said to the man at the door, I, as he shook my hand, I said, why, why don't you go down the pub? Because that's where all the people are. And uh, I, he shook my hand and he said, lovely to see you. And I thought, you weak person. And I just went away. I, to I told a friend of mine about this. He said, Steve, come to the church I go to. I went to this church. And there, people had the same quality of life that the Jesus people had. Their faces shone. Their eyes were sparkling. Do you know when someone becomes a Christian, their face changes? That suddenly, instead of going from a haggard look, they suddenly become bright. Their face becomes bright. They become alive inside. And you thought, wow, I've encountered a, a whole new species of people. And then I found out that they're people who became believers in Jesus Christ. They believe Jesus died on the cross. The man stood up and he preached a sermon. And he said, many of you believe Jesus died on the cross. You've heard it at school. I was one of those. I'd heard it at school, but it only ever stayed in my head. It had never gone from my head to my heart. And he said, what makes the difference is when you believe Jesus has died on the cross, it moves from your head into your heart. I knew that was me. That night I became a Christian and I am still pressing on telling other people about Jesus. It happened because I came from a heathen group of bikers and suddenly encountered a spirit-filled group of people. God's answer in an evil day is his church. It's you, it's me, filled with the power and the life of the Holy Ghost. Full of love, full of joy, helping one another, helping this beautiful couple, this beautiful family who've arrived, praying for one another, sharing with one another. It's such a contrast to the world outside when we come in and we encounter the church. It is God's answer in an evil day. That's what this book is all about. We are living in an evil day. Yes, but that's not the end of the story. The end of the story is that Jesus died on the cross, poured out his spirit to come on you and me so that we might raise up a whole new society in the life and the power of the Holy Ghost. We, the warning, be very careful. The command is get filled with the Holy Spirit. Get filled with the life of God. Get filled with the life of God. You might ask the question, what does a person look like who's filled with the Holy Spirit? What do they look like? And it gives us an example here in this passage. It first of all tells us what they don't look like. 
He uses, the Apostle Paul uses negative terms before he uses positive terms. And he says, first of all, that a person filled with the Holy Spirit, they are not unwise. But they're making the use of every single opportunity which comes along. For my 70th birthday, I'm 73 now, I thought, how did I get so old? For my 70th birthday, my three boys um, took me to a football match. And we know one of the directors of Southampton Football Club, and I got invited into the director's box. They were playing that day Manchester United. And I was looking forward to this, had to wear a suit and tie and the, the, you know, all all the gear, so you look the part in the director's box. And I, I knew in the morning that God was saying to me, make the use of every opportunity. I keep in my top pocket, I keep my own personal story. This is my story of how I became a Christian. I carry it with me wherever I go. I shall talk about it through this week. And in 350 words is how I met Jesus and what difference it's made to my life. I carry this. And sometimes I meet a person and just pass one on to them. And I knew that God was saying, make sure you take your track with you today, your personal story. I walked straight into this director's, into this director's room. And there were only half a dozen people there, all dressed in suits. And one of them was Sir Alex Ferguson, who was the greatest coach of Manchester United. The most famous football manager, or one of them in English history. And I got talking to him. He came over to me and he just started talking. I think he thought I was one of the ex-football players or something. And uh, we got chatting. And I'd read actually his book, Sir Alex. And I'd read his autobiography, went through that and really loved it. We have got talking. And then I said, oh, by the way, I'd like you to read my story. <laughs> and uh, it's not, not quite as long as your story. But I, I, I gave him one of these, and he said, oh, thank you so much. He put, it, he put it in his pocket, tucked it away, and he said, I shall read that on the plane going home. I don't know what effect that will have. But I do know that we will meet people, you will meet people, I will meet people. You have neighbours, you have family, you have friends who all live around you. And the Bible tells us that God chooses the exact places where we should live and he chooses exact places where we should live so that we can reach the neighborhood and the people around us that's why he does it that's why you're in that house that's why you're in that school that's why you're in that job it's not just a job you're there so that you can make the use of every opportunity start praying for the people that you're with start praying for those in your school start praying for those around you start praying for the neighbors we have a a, We moved to a new house when we got back from Sydney. And the group of us own a field. There are 14 houses which own this field, which is in the middle. And we have committee meetings. We decided to start praying regularly for the people. We've now managed to pray personally with nine of the people. One of them has become a Christian. One of them has become a believer. Because I believe that if God calls me to go somewhere, if he calls you to go somewhere, that there are people around that he wants us to reach. 
Make the most of every opportunity. Don't be unwise. A person filled with the Holy Spirit is wise and making use of every opportunity. They're not looking to be unwise. Not only that, but they, they're not unwise. They're also, they're not drunk. Some people say, oh, well, the world is in such a bad mess. It's in such a, in such a state. I don't know what to do. Um, well, let, if we can't beat them, let's join them. Let's just get drunk. Let's drown our sorrows. Let's join the party and go down with a sinking ship. No, 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 no. Don't get drunk, but get filled with the life of God. Because God has chosen you and me, put his spirit upon us, and he's put good works within your life that you should do. And he wants you to perform and me to perform good works in the name of Jesus, being filled with the power and the life of the Holy Ghost. Don't be unwise. Don't get drunk. No, understand the call and the purpose of God at this time. And also, don't grieve. A person who is not unwise, not drunk, not grieving the Holy Spirit. It says in verse 30 of chapter 4, it says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were called and sealed for the day of redemption. A person who is walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, they are not grieving the Holy Spirit. They're not walking around with anger and bitterness in their heart. Have you got anger and bitterness in your heart? A person who's filled with the Holy Spirit won't have that. I know a family who recently lost a child. They came to us to talk to us because we lost a child. And there are one or two ways you can go. You can either get angry and bitter at God and everybody else. Or you can accept the difficulties and saying, I'm going to believe God and walk through this. I know one family who got quite angry and bitter and blamed everybody else when their child died. But this other family came to us and they said, we do not want to get angry and bitter. We want to walk through this well. Please, will you help us? How about you? Are you angry? Are you bitter? It also says, not grieving the Holy Spirit with slander and being malicious. Are you being malicious? Are you being slanderous? Talking behind somebody's back and saying something which only half true. It's just your side of the story. I heard... Um, a person who works with Bill Johnson, Chris Volaton, and uh, he was speaking and he said that when he, was, when he was with Bill Johnson, he said this, he said that he started to criticise a person and he said, and Bill Johnson just looked at him. He didn't say anything, he just looked at him and he looked at him. And in the end, this guy, Chris, he just felt convicted of what he was saying. He thought, I'm just gossiping, I'm just, I'm just bad-mouthing somebody. And in the end, he, he, just, he just repented. He realized that his own spirit was so bad. And apparently Bill just, just never criticizes anybody, but he just looked at him. And just one look was enough. It's very easy to bad-mouth people. It's very easy to criticize. A person filled with the Holy Spirit won't be doing that.
They won't be unkind. Just before Christmas, I went into a shopping place in England, went into a shop called Aldi. I don't know if you know that. And uh, there was a man with a, a young child or a young boy who was about 12. He looked a little, little bit unsure of himself, this child, looked about a little bit nervous. And uh, the father asked him to get something off the shelf. And uh, he got this and gave it to his father. And the father turned around, not that, you idiot! And he so laid into this boy, not that, you fool! Can't you do anything right? And it was loud and right in front of everybody. You thought, you're the father of this child. This is a public rebuke. You can see this child quiver in his boots. I've seen mothers who so lay into their kids, you thought, they terrify me. We live in a day where there's not a lot of kindness. You can bring the gospel into your work situation, into your family, into the world, just by being kind. A person filled with the Holy Spirit is not going to be unkind. They're not going to be gripped with unforgiveness. There are three people here today and you are living with unforgiveness. Somebody has wronged you and you got it deep in your heart. I cannot forgive. I cannot forgive. I talked with a pastor last week. He said that a man came to him who'd lived with unforgiveness for years. And he said, I cannot bring myself to forgive them. And the pastor said, you must forgive them. Because of the cross, you have been forgiven much. You therefore must be forgiven. If you find it hard to forgive, then take a long look at the cross of Jesus Christ. And we see forgiveness. It's forgiven all of my sin, forgiven all of my evil, which I've done an awful lot. I am very, very grateful. I have been forgiven much. Therefore, I need to be very forgiving of other people. What does a person filled with the Holy Spirit look like? The Bible tells us what they don't look like. They're not foolish. They're not drunk. They're not slanderous, malicious, unkind, resentful. They're not like that. That's the way of the world. They're not like that at all. Well, what are they like then? What is the positive and it says, first of all, that a person filled with the Holy Spirit will be vocal. They'll be speaking about Jesus, talking about Jesus, addressing one another. Some of the most beautiful passages that we read in the New Testament about the Christian life, it says, it says addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. I find this, my father-in-law used to say this, he said, you speak much about the ones you love. Leading a church, I could see a young guy arrive one morning. His face was beaming and he just wanted to tell you about his new love of his life, his new girlfriend. And, oh, we just got engaged. And he was telling everybody, I just, we just got engaged. She, isn't she beautiful? Oh, yes, she's beautiful. You speak much about the ones you love. I love speaking about Jesus, don't you? We need to speak about him, tell people about him. A person who is filled with the Holy Spirit is vocal. A person who is filled with the Holy Spirit is joyful. 
is a deep-seated assurance that God's in control. They're speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. It's it's one of the most beautiful passages in the Bible. They're addressing one another with psalms and hymns, and there's a joy in their soul. There's a joy. They're not miserable and depressed. You think, wow, what is it about you? I meet most weeks with Terry Virgo. He came and preached here last time. And Terry is the founder of New Frontiers Church. The church I led in Heathfield, we were the 20th church that came into New Frontiers. There's now so many around the world. We, I don't know. We've lost count. Nobody knows how many. Terry came to me the other week. He was due to come here to you in Vancouver. He came to me and he said, uh, can I have a word with you? And I've asked for permission to share this story. And I said, uh, yes, you can have a word with me. He said this. He said, I have just had a telephone call from the doctor. And he said, they've taken a blood test. He said, normally my blood test goes along like this, which is normal. uh, But suddenly it just drops off a cliff. I didn't understand the terminology. But the doctor had said to him, he said, it is 95% sure that you have got blood cancer. And so I'm, I'm absolutely stunned. I am absolutely shocked. So I said, what do you want me to do? He said, shall we pray this morning? I'm leading a prayer meeting where we're all gathering. He said, no, don't pray, don't pray. I, don't want to. I haven't even told the family yet. So we gathered together to pray. And as we were praying, I had a picture of Jesus walking in and anointing people with oil, touching them on their forehead with oil. And suddenly Terry just bursts out laughing and laughing and laughing. His wife was hysterical. Wendy, she was laughing. My wife was laughing. We're all laughing as as the power of the Holy Spirit fell upon us. You thought, here's somebody who's just had terrible, terrible news. And now they're, they're they're just full of the joy of the Lord. They're singing, they're laughing. You thought, how weird is this? It's not that weird, actually. It's Ephesians chapter 5, filled with the Holy Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That's what a person filled with the Holy Spirit is like. Not drunk, not foolish, but filled Filled with the Holy Spirit. We had this time of prayer. And they did some more tests on Terry. And then a week later, I had another phone call from Terry. And he said this. He said, I've just had another phone call from the doctor. And he said, and the doctor is highly embarrassed. The doctor said to me, I don't know what to say. He said, all I can say is that we must have got your results mixed up with somebody else. He said, we've taken all your tests. He said, there's nothing wrong with you. (laughs) Absolutely nothing wrong with you. And I've... Absolutely nothing. Just a person being filled with the life of God can make a difference. You know, when we're in Sydney, Australia... We had some beautiful beaches out there, which you have here also. And um, on a Monday, it was my day off, I was walking at Palm Beach, and there was nobody there at all. The beaches are deserted. At least I thought there was nobody there. 
And I was walking on top of the hill and I was just singing a song. Praise my soul, the King of heaven. To his feet thy tribute bring. I was looking out at the sea and the sky. It was magnificent. The dolphins in the surf and what have you. And suddenly, out of a bush came a lady. Yeah, that's what I thought. This lady came out of the bush and she looked, she saw me and she said, um, she said, uh, oh, you seem happy. And I said, yes, I am. I said, um, I'm a Christian. I said, I, I, I love God and I'm pastor of a church. I love God, just worshipping him, just enjoying the beauty. And we walked along and she started to talk to me. And as we walked, she started to open up and pour out her life. And we walked probably about um, 500 yards. And by the end of it, she was, she was in a real difficult place. And I said, look, I'd love to pray with you. And I ended up just praying with her for God to come and touch her. And it all happened just because she'd met somebody who was, you know, happy, just singing a song. The Bible tells us that when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we're addressing one another. We're vocal about Jesus. We're joyful. We're filled with the Holy Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Not only are we vocal, not only are we joyful, but it also tells us that we are thankful. We're giving thanks to God for every situation that comes along. That's difficult. Not always easy to give thanks to God for difficulties. We had a holiday a couple of years ago. We'd booked a place in Cornwall in England. And when we got there, the weather was terrible. It was, it was thick fog and drizzle. And the place we'd actually booked was miserable. We went into this place. We thought, oh, this is not quite what we thought it was. And uh, it was really quite miserable. The weather, they said, was going to be miserable for a whole week. And so, you thought, so we, we thought to ourselves, why are we staying here when we could go all the way back home? And we'd be happier at home. So after arriving, we got in the car, turned around, and we went all the way back. We thought that was a waste of time and a waste of money. We could have been really, really depressed. We decided to praise God. We said, well, let's praise God, give thanks in every situation, and see what happens. So we decided to be very thankful and praise God, and we did that. We got home, I went to bed, and the next morning... The farmer was mowing the field that we own. His name is Fred. I took Fred out a cup of coffee. I said, how are you doing, Fred? He said, oh, I'm terrible. I'm terrible. Terrible. He said, I've got this real pain in the chest. He says, and here's a real pain in the chest. I said, Fred, come in a minute. Come and sit down. He came into the house. He sat there on the couch. I said, I'm a Christian, Fred. I'd like to pray with, pray with you. And he said, um, okay. And he was a big, strong, sturdy man. He held out his hands. I said, well, where is the pain? He says, you're right here. And so I, I started to pray. We started, both of us started to pray for Fred. And he said, woo, 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 woo. He said, woo. And he's not a, he's not a spiritual guy. He's, uh, you know, he's really earthy. Go, woo, woo. He's going like this, woo. Something, something's happening. He says, uh, I said, what's happening? He says, the pain is going across here. And he says, it's coming out the other side. <laughs> he says, it went through there and it came out the other side. And so you think, wow. So we thought, God has brought us back just to pray for Fred. I'll take that. I'll take that. 
And I found this, that I found that when I genuinely thank God, even in difficulties, that he's sovereign and in control, I sometimes find that the difficulties actually change. If I moan and groan, oh, why is this and why is that, and, oh, which I can do, nothing seems to happen. But if I genuinely start to praise God that he's in control, he knows all things, and give thanks in every situation, I often find the situation changes. What is God's answer in an evil day? His answer is a people, is a church filled with the life of the Holy Spirit. Not unwise, not drunk, not malicious and gossiping, but filled with the Holy Spirit, vocal, joyful, and thankful unto God. And I want to pray for you this morning because I think this is a brilliant church. I believe that God wants to come and empower you more and more and more, fill you with the power of his spirit so that you become a tremendous witness and a tremendous light in Vancouver and see many of your friends and many of your town, many of your neighbours, many of your colleagues saved into the kingdom of God. I believe that's what God's call for you is at this time. Can you say amen? amen. If you know that you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm going to ask you to stand in a minute. But there may be some people here who've never even understood the fact that you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. You may ask the question, how can that happen? Well, it happens when you believe, like I believed years ago, that Jesus died on the cross for me. You confess your sin. You say, Jesus, come into my heart and into my life. Change me and fill me with your life. Fill me with your power. And your life will totally change. I saw a lady once who responded to the gospel and she looked, she looked like a witch. She looked haggard and terrible. And I prayed for her and the power of the Holy Spirit came on her. And when she got up, her whole face was beaming. I believe a person's life can change in a day. And it can change the day they meet their creator, Jesus Christ. Do you know Jesus? Do your friends know Jesus? I'm going to ask you to respond this morning, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be a witness in Vancouver and to your neighborhood. If you know that you need to be filled again, then I want you to be stand right now and we'll pray. There are three people here this morning and you've really struggled with unforgiveness in your heart. Forgiving somebody, you've really struggled with that. It's time to let that go. It's time to lay it down because it's actually crippling your walk with God. It's time to lay that down, to lay it to one side. We're going to sing a song we're going to respond, lift our hands and our hearts to God. We're going to ask him to fill us with his spirit. Come upon us powerfully. The great purposes for this church, you know, this is not...
the end, nor the beginning of the end, but the end of the beginning. <laughs> As Churchill said, God is going to do a mighty work here in Vancouver. How is he going to do it? Through you, through you, through you, through you, through us, being filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. Lift your hands to the Lord. Ask him to come and fill you, flood you again as we sing.